Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir. Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Now, I actually don't have a new guest for you today. And the reason for that is because I'm actually getting married in two days if you are listening to this on Wednesday the 5th of August. So I thought I could do something a bit different and as I've actually never really shared my story, I mean some of you actually know it and probably have heard it before, but I was actually interviewed on Marathon Training Academy a few months ago and I thought it would be great to share it this week as I do not have a new podcast guest and I thought maybe you could learn a little more about me. So if you don't want to learn any more about me, you've had enough of me, then switch off now by all means, I won't be offended. But if you did want to learn more about what it's like being an elite, uh, I shared my story with Angie and Trevor of Marathon Training Academy and I think you're really going to enjoy it. All right, we're on the podcast today with Tina Muir. She's an elite runner, originally from the UK and now living in the US. She's a member of the Saucony Hurricanes team. She's also the host of the Running the Top podcast and community manager at runnersconnect.com. And she recently ran the London Marathon in two hours, 41 minutes and 10 seconds. So she's wicked fast. Tina, welcome to the MTA podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, so just going with that very last little bit about you, um, your time at London, did everything go according to how you had hoped and how you planned? Um, actually it went better than I, <laughs> than I hoped. Uh, it's crazy to say this, but I actually enjoyed the marathon and I can't even, <laughs> to me getting my head around that is, is enough because the last two marathons, I hated it. The last six miles, I barely knew my name. I, hmm. I, the first one I, uh, bonked the second one, I hit the wall and the, I just didn't even want to ever do one again. So this one, I, I loved it. It exceeded my expectation in every way. So it was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell us how you developed an interest in running. Um, you know, take us back to when you started running and kind of the reasons behind that. And then what made you focus on the marathon distance? Yeah, well, it's been quite a journey to get to the marathon. Uh, I did start running at age 14. I'm uh, 26 now, so it's been quite a while. Uh, started out across country. Uh, funny story, actually, I ended up running uh, a bit later than I probably should have because uh, when they did the tryouts for cross country, everyone in my grade had to do it. I didn't want to do it, so I hid. <laughs> I hid in the bathrooms. So <laughs> I actually ended up skipping the tryouts, and I probably would have realised a little bit earlier, but I didn't. And then uh, eventually, I kind of pushed not pushed my way through, but worked my way up in uh, just in classes and PE classes and uh, became quite realized I was quite good at it, got recommended to a club. And then I met my uh, coach throughout uh, high school, Brad Plummer, and he helped me grow a lot and improve and enough to get a scholarship uh, to America. I had quite a few offers, uh, but decided to go to a small school in Michigan. Uh, which is a bit random, but I'm really glad I went there. Um, I improved a lot, and it always kind of sh- proved to me during that time that I was set for the marathon. Like I, every time it got longer, everything I, I love my long runs. Anything that was long, I loved it. So it kind of I knew it would be that way. It didn't quite work out how I imagined once I did try the marathon, but I feel like London Marathon kind of proved that to me with the way I finished. So, 
So you're originally from England and you came over originally to go to college. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see yourself staying over here and looking at running opportunities, you know, post-collegiately, trying to become an elite? I mean, was that part of the plan early on or did that just develop um, over the last few years? Um, not initially, because uh, I always knew I loved America. I My family actually lived here for three years when we I was lo- a we kid. We love you too, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to our country. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd hope so after it's been a long struggle of eight years to get to the point where I'm actually living here. Um, wow. It's not as easy as people think it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, initially, I always knew I loved it. Uh, my family lived in Indiana for three years when I was a kid, so I'd grown up with a little bit of an American uh, culture. But uh, when I came here, I expected to go back, but I just loved it. I loved the resources. I loved the opportunity. And as cheesy as it is, America is the land of opportunity and had everything I needed. And I just felt so much support. And it's very different in England. You have to be the very top. Like I'm talking top five in the country overall to get any kind of funding and Mm. so I just loved it here and that kind of made me think about it and um yeah once I uh graduated and I was offered the chance to run for Saucony that kind of solidified it for me and I just I knew I wanted to stay and by hook or by crook I was gonna stay (laughs) um but I ended up work, it ended up working out so um I'm very thankful for Runners Connect for helping me along with that (laughs) awesome so what I'm wondering is, what what makes one an elite runner? And define that for us, would you, for anyone just wondering out there, how does one become an elite runner and how's that defined? I'm Honestly, I'm not even sure myself. I mean, there's people throw around the term elite runner and professional runner, and there isn't really a boundary between the two. But to me, I kind of see elite as you're in that top bracket. Like, when I go to races now, I usually get, I definitely get my exp- uh, my race entry paid for wow. um, but I often get you often get hotel rooms um, you'll sometimes get travel uh, depending on the level of the event and the you know the caliber of the athletes they have you know some of the races have you know the like London Marathon for example they had the best people in the world so I, I had a hotel room they paid for my hotel room for two nights which was very nice but I didn't get anything else other than that uh, but yeah, to me, an elite is just that you've reached that level where you've either your sole career or part of your career. For me, it's part of my career. But, mm. uh, you know, had I been an American citizen, it probably would have been purely my career because I would have been able to uh, go to one of the uh, professional training groups. There are there's a uh, Hanson Brooks in uh, Michigan, Team USA, Minnesota, um, Mammoth Lakes, there's all kinds of things. So. But there is no set definition. It's kind of confusing in that way. And with the PR that you ran in London, if you were American, you would be able to go to the Olympic trials, I guess. Is is it different? I mean, what is the qualifying standard for England? (laughs) Um, Well, that's a little bit of a soft spot from a sensitive (laughs) point for me because uh, there isn't, it isn't the same kind of selection procedure over there. Um, They tend to pick people based on previous uh, history. So if you've already run for Great Britain, you are more likely to be selected again. Um, There isn't really a trials. I did finish third place in the Olympic trials at the 10K a few years ago, but I wasn't selected. Uh, They didn't actually take anyone who finished that day. Hmm. Um, So it's a little bit different, and there isn't going to be a marathon trials in England. It's just they're just going to base it off the times. 
Okay. So, okay. It makes sense. So I knew we had this interview coming up and I, I knew how fast you ran in London. <laughs> Angie and I did the uh, Lincoln Marathon in Lincoln, Nebraska a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The first place female there didn't run as fast as, as you did in London. So I'm thinking to myself, if Tina wanted to, she could she can come and win this race. And there's probably hundreds around the country that you can just go show up and win. It's like clean up smaller marathons. Yeah. You ever think <laughs> about doing do that? that. Or, yeah, people do that. How does that how does that feel though, just to know you could show up and dominate at one of these local races? Um, well, a funny side note to that. I actually was thinking the other day, I've never broken tape. You know, you see the runner run through the finish, put the hands up. I, uh-huh. I've never done that. Um I mean, yeah, I guess it's a good thought. I, I've never really thought of it that way, but um, I guess that that is a great feeling to think about that. Um, but one thing with being that comes with being an elite is when you race, you really put your heart and soul out there. Like when I cross the finish line, I'm done. There's nothing, nothing more to give, and um, so you can't really do that many races that often like I'm my coach only allows me to do two marathons a year and I've done three in a row now so now I have to take a full year away from the marathon so I mean you you have to be very selective but don't get me wrong there are a lot of people who go around doing that and uh but the ones that people do that for are the ones with prize money um but if there's prize money there's usually other people attracted there um and that's where a lot of the kenyan athletes come over here and they do that they will go around and you know collect up money from racing weekend after weekend and collect that money and then you know once they've got enough they'll go home hmm. so um it's kind of finding the balance because you know i wouldn't want to uh taper down and get ready for a race a smaller race and then turn up and think oh i'm going to win this and then there's someone there who runs you know 225 and i'm like oh well great (laughs) so um you have to be very selective and kind of a lot of runners at my level have agents uh i do kind of have a a mentor agent larry rosenblatt who helps me but a lot of people it's the agents talking and deciding which races you do. That's interesting to know because I would, yeah, I really didn't know. I just thought, you know, you kind of decided which ones you wanted to to target and, you know, go for it. But try This is, this is cool. Can get an inside look into the life. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. So take <laughs> us a little bit behind the scenes, you know, for London. I mean, going into that um, as an elite, I mean, I guess your, your hotel expenses, your race entry is probably paid for, um, you know, I know many people listening to this probably ran the London Marathon, but they were more maybe mid-pack, back of the pack. You know, so take us to what it's like, I mean, going into an event like that and rubbing shoulders with some of the fastest people in the world. Do you guys get your own porta-potties? Uh, yeah, actually, usually they do. And, and <laughs> at races like London, um, they actually have, they're not just porta-potties, they're like the... Um, the fancy ones where it's like a little camper and you walk up nice. some steps into it, you know, and there's three or four of them. With the queen, so, with the queen's guard out in front. <laughs> well, actually, there are usually guards, like not guards, but security people around making sure you are the right person. And, um, you know, when you are at those kind of events, you have to keep your number on all, all times so that you can actually show who you are because they won't let anyone else in that area otherwise. And I do feel bad when people, you know, they're, they're walking around near the gate and they're thinking, they, you know, you see them every now and again. Can I just use that bathroom, please? I really need to go. And they're like, no, nope, sorry. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, babe, no, no, get in. <laughs> so it is a little bit different. Uh, but um, yeah, what's it like? 
So London for me was an incredible experience because um, Paula Radcliffe, the world record holder, was in that race. And she has been my idol since I started running. I watched her race London Marathon and I remember her running by me on a way to a world record uh, once when I went to watch. So to be with her and I actually ended up warming up with her. Um, I ran with her for about 10 minutes before the race. And that was I could not believe that if you'd have told me that five years ago I never would have believed it um but it's amazing but at the end of the day it's still there's still people and you know that's what on my blog I talk a lot about the ins and outs and you know I talk about when I have a meltdown or when I have a bad day and this goes wrong and that goes wrong because at the end of the day I want people to see that even though you know we run fast we're still people at the end of the day and that was the same with Paula you know I I asked her some things and um, you know, do you ever get used to all the people coming up to you all the time? And she said no, because, you know, at the end of the day, she's still a person. So um, I think even though it is, you know, exciting to be around people, like some of the fastest people in the world, they are still people. So it's mm-hmm. great to see that side of side of it as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So you talk a lot on your blog about fueling and about food. In fact, the blog is called Fueling Your Future. So have you always enjoyed cooking And can you kind of go into like, what's the reason behind, you know, the emphasis on food? Um, Well, the funniest thing is my blog actually started when I first started blogging as um, it was called Insatiable Sweet Tooth because (laughs) I have (laughs) an an insatiable sweet tooth. Like I'm one of those people, I could eat a tub of frosting and then pick up a spoon and eat another one. Like (laughs) I, I literally can have no limit to my sugar intake, like potentially. Um, So it started off as that, but then I kind of started documenting my training and I realized that what am I saying, telling people, you know, you should, you know, try do this, this is going to help you run faster. And then I say, but I eat this and I would show, you know, like a a blondie filled with Oreos and sprinkles and M&Ms and I was like, this doesn't really match. (laughs) So I started adding some healthy recipes and I noticed people were like, oh, this is great. So then it just kind of developed from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started trying out my meals and then I kind of, uh, embraced meatless Monday, which I do every Monday. Um, and you know, people seem to like the recipes, so I kept going with it and fueling is so important. And, uh, I have realized how important it is. You know, I love sugar and I, but I really do cut down on it and I'm very, I always have a sweet treat, but I always cut down on it when it, when it matters. But no, I didn't really cook growing up. Uh, actually my dad my dad was the one that cooked when I was growing up and I realized he, he actually really likes it when I go home to England. Now, when I start taking over, I'm going to cook this healthy meal for you. And I'm going to cook that. I see him like hovering around, like, <laughs> like, Hey, get out of my spot. Can't get up so, control. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, um, at the time I thought it was just that he was made to do it, but I think he actually, he always liked doing it. So I just kind of learned myself and it's mostly like trial and error. So do you still um, eat, do you still eat quite a bit of sugar? Uh, right now I am. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as I, um, I'm not really back into full training, but in the six weeks beforehand, I would cut it down to like, you know, 10 M&Ms or something that, that would be enough for me to tide it over. But right now, you no, that that's kind of easy. <laughs> It's not. It was not at all. Um, right now, it's no holds barred. And then uh, in about oh, probably any day now, I really should start <laughs> <laughs> raining in and uh, get it down to one dessert a day. So that 
would be like one bowl of ice cream or something like that and then from there I rain it down to uh, one bowl of ice cream or whatever it is on the day I do a workout in a long run and then from there I cut it down even more so it's mm. a slow process but I did try cutting out completely once and I ended up gaining like five pounds so <laughs> I figured that wasn't worth it <laughs> you know what else can you share about your um, nutrition philosophy? You know, you have that meatless Monday. Uh, is that kind of like a, a vegan style diet most of the time? Um, yeah. Well, I do get asked a lot if I'm a vegetarian, which I definitely am not. Um, <laughs> I saw I, you at your meal yeah. post London. So <laughs> you were yeah, enjoying yeah, a good burger yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like even during serious training and while I'm in that, you know, two months, two months before ma the marathon, I still have burgers. I still have a pizza. I st still will have those foods. Just try and make better decisions most of the time. So to answer your question, um, I am very uh, passionate about I'm kind of uh, an, not an environmentalist, but that's important to me, sustainability and being environmentally friendly. So I try to uh, buy local beef. We have a, um, a company, a farm nearby called Brookview Beef. I buy their local beef and I um, try to get local products, local fresh fruits and vegetables. But mostly for me, it's about making my own things like I I will try and either make my own uh, granola or I will try and um, make my own dinner rather than just buying processed. So I guess it's like as unprocessed as it can be, but I definitely mm -hmm. still have meat and um, I do like almond milk instead of um, regular milk now. So just kind of making smart choices as much as I can. So I'm sure you've talked about this on your blog before, but how can busy people focus on eating more healthfully? You know, you're talking about doing more cooking and, and everything. And I'm sure people kind of say, well, I'm too busy to cook or whatever excuses yeah. that they have. No, I definitely understand. And actually, I do get that quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> my sister is an elementary school teacher and, sh and she's constantly telling me, you know, oh, it's all well and good you telling me this, but I don't have time. So I know I know it is difficult and I see that. Um, and I do enjoy the cooking part. I do enjoy the preparation part. But I know for most people that is not the case. Um, so I think a lot of it comes down to organization, like on a Sunday afternoon, if you just kind of get some things in tubs, you know, put cut some carrots up, um, put some nuts in a in a bag, take that with you to work for the week to snack on. Um, try and have snacks that you don't have to prepare, like, you know, taking apple, taking bananas, um, taking things that are already ready to go. Um, and I actually, for me, um, that's actually something I want to go into business in, in sometime in the future, uh, is actually creating those meals for people so they can pick them up very easy. Um, so I thought a lot about that, but I guess hmm. the snacks are the easiest part and trying to, you know, if you do make a meal, make it for, you know, eight, 10 people and then freeze some of it. So I think it's just kind of organization and planning ahead is the biggest thing. Exactly. Or you could do a, a big meat thing and then use it for several, perhaps recipes or meals down, you know, through the week. So exactly. That yeah. makes sense. So I know that our listeners can't see this, but in the background, I see this big exercise ball. <laughs> Stability ball. Yeah. Stability ball. We're going to ask you about, about cross training. Do you have mm -hmm. like a go-to cross training activity? Well, let me first say that exercise ball. I just sit on that sometimes. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever used that 
for actual exercises. <laughs> I don't want to sit on too. Yeah, Angie does the same thing in her office. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. I thought I wouldn't do it now because I'll, I'll be bouncing around on it. But um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not great at um, cross training for instead of running. I do, I do like running, and I do tend to stick to running, and my body can handle up to ninety. 95 miles a week so I, I try and get away with that while I can but I do believe 100% in strength training functional training additional exercises to keep you healthy and um, in the past I've always done exercises like prehab um, kind of you know squats and um, lunges and things like that um, but I went to a um, biometrics lab last year full and they analyzed my body did a full gait analysis like even to the point of like a graphic um skeleton that was me running that shows you where your foot strikes where the impact shoots up it shows you a graph of each angle of your body even down to your elbows and your wrists and they kind of the guy told me you know throw out 90 percent of what you're doing because it's not working for you so now I go to a strength coach and I work with him and he does we do a lot of heavy weights so that's something that a lot of runners are scared of and you know people think oh I don't especially women I don't want to gain weight I don't want to be big I don't want to bulk up but I really haven't and you don't yeah it sounds counterintuitive but it's true if you do you know you can do high weight uh exercises if you do them right and not you know, put on loads of muscle, but it will prevent you from injury. So not really that great at cross training. I'd love to have an elliptico. I'm trying to work on saving for an elliptico. But um, right now, the only other thing I do is the strength training two to three times a week. I like to have an elliptico too. We need to get that company to sponsor our podcast. <laughs> hey, no, and, I want them to sponsor me first. And your, I'm trying. And your podcast too. Yeah, I'll figure out how to how to get the deal and then pass on. <laughs> no, um, yeah, they're great I'm curious as to that lab test, that mm-hmm. that procedure, and yep. they told you throw out 90% of what you're doing. Like, what, what were you doing wrong, and how do they determine that? Um, well, I can't even explain. I'm actually going back there next month to reassess, so I'm really excited to see that. Um, but I can't even explain how detailed this was. Like, wow. they spent three and a half hours with me. And wow. this isn't just me. Anyone can go there. It's the UVA Speed Clinic, if anyone wants to look it up. Anyone Where, can go that? there. UVA. It's in Virginia. Okay, University of Charlottesville. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they, yeah, spent three hours with me showing me all these exercises, looked at every angle, every muscle of my body, even, like, my foot control, everything. And, uh... He just said, you know, you're getting enough um, strength in all the areas that you're building throughout those exercises you were doing. And it wasn't that I was doing them wrong, but they just, he said, you know, you're working on the wrong areas. You need to strengthen your glutes and, uh, you know, do glute um, hip grazes, but with a, you know, 100 pounds of weight, which obviously I built up to. But um, I ended up doing, I think, 160 pounds of weight by the London Marathon um, build up. But um, just things like that and doing um, lots of plyometrics, things like that. So other other ways of strength training, just more like high rep stuff, more traditional mm. um, what you would think, you know, the big bodybuilder guys would do. Like the other day I actually did, um, oh, I can't even remember what they're called now, um, the, the traditional exercise people like always yeah, like a bent over row, but with yeah. a big heavy weight. Like I'd never even done that before. 
And so, because uh, you're, you're a petite person, just just let yeah. everybody know. Yes. If, if they haven't seen a picture of you, yeah. how, how much does that cost to get that test? And you said anybody can go and do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I say that. I mean, let me just say, I I did. I paid this. It wasn't. I didn't get it free. Nothing like that. I. It was um three hundred and fifty dollars. But to me, it was worth that. I would have paid a thousand dollars for that. I, experience. I was expecting so, you to say a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that it was worth a thousand dollars. It was amazing, and I honestly would recommend it to anyone. Um, the guy in charge, Max Prokopi, is is amazing, and uh, he even has kept in touch with me. I talk to him about once every two weeks. He checks in how I'm doing, how I was getting on, because I had to make a lot of changes to my running form uh, with my overstriding, and I went through a lot of ups and downs, which again, my vlog, I, I definitely, uh, <laughs> talked about that, um, in detail. So, uh, you know, Max had a lot of phone calls about this isn't working. Why do I feel like this? Help me with that. So wow. it's a great experience. And I, I really would recommend you it. You should sign Angie up for that. <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> what they tell me, like, stop running. <laughs> <laughs> you no. are running. <laughs> How can you do this? Well, I think yeah. it's pretty typical that runners often have very weak glutes and through the hips and tight hamstrings. And, you know, so if someone is struggling with injury or just feels like they maybe can't get faster, um, something like that would really be valuable. I mean, for yeah. anyone, but especially if you're kind of maybe hitting some of these roadblocks, I suppose. Yeah, especially as there's, there's so much confusion now in, you know, it seems almost like every week there's a new trend, like, should I go barefoot? Should I go minimal? <laughs> should I heel strike? Should I toe under my toe? Should I pronate? Should I not pronate? And it's it's very confusing. Like, it really is. So that's why it was great for me to go somewhere where they knew what they were talking about. They gave a full assessment. They gave all these images and explained why. So I think it would be very helpful for anyone who really does want to know once and for all so they can know what to do. <laughs> tell us the name of the test one more time. It's an evaluation, but is there a fancier name for it? Um, not that evaluation. I knew it. Was, yeah, UVA Speed Clinic um, okay. gate right. evaluation. That's all I know. Yeah, I'm not sure they – I'm sure they do have a technical term, but, <laughs> but I don't know it. <laughs> okay, cool. UVA Speed Clinic. Awesome. Yep. So you talked about, you know, really admiring Paula Radcliffe. Um, who are some other runners that you admire, perhaps, you know, who have mentored you through the years? Well, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's been so many. I've been very fortunate with who I um, have grown up around. And uh, I, I mean, even people I don't know, but yeah, I've had so many people over the years that have guided me, like my, that first coach I mentioned, Brad, um, my coaching college my coaches that I worked with when I was the um, assistant coach at LaSalle um, University for two years and just people throughout the way and also just people I interact with on a daily basis online. Many of them I've never met, but people who have come to support me and, you know, will set, take their time out of their day to send a little email. But that's what I love about the running community the most is it's not about how fast you are or how, you know, how good you are. It Everyone is going through the same thing. Everyone has that little voice in their head that says, slow down, slow down, or like, you can't do this, and you have to battle it. And mm -hmm. so anyone that does that, I've kind of like respect, and I'm constantly seeing inspiration all around. So I, it's hard for me to pick out one person other than Paula. She really was the one for me. And, and also Cara Goucher, uh, you know, being a parent, um, she also is interested in healthy eating and she's honest. I love that about her as well. She, you know, she doesn't 
tiptoe around and pretend everything's wonderful because she's prepared to show her vulnerability and I really admire that in people as well that's awesome (laughs) so have you ever dealt with a serious injury in your career Uh, well nothing that's taken me out for you know six months or anything but I did the whole fall and actually that was the reason I went to that speed clinic was I did have um, a hamstring issue and that was with me for a good six months Um, it didn't make me stop completely um, other than the time after Chicago Marathon which was uh, two weeks off Um, but it, it was definitely there for quite a long time and it was very limiting. I couldn't run fast. I couldn't do anything um, faster than race pace, which you do need uh, in any kind of training, really. Um, but I have had other things. I've had a stress reaction. I've had Achilles issues. I've had many different things and um, spent quite a lot of time in the pool when I was in college. Um, unfortunately, I fell into the the trap that most people fall into of thinking if you run your recovery runs faster, you'll get faster. Um, (laughs) Learning the hard way that doesn't work. Um, And uh, I guess my biggest one was um, I tore my calf, had a calf strain my senior year of college. And uh, I was determined I was going to get to nationals, trained my butt off in the pool uh, doing aqua jogging. And I my first race I did in uh, four months after only a month of running, I qualified. I was so determined I was going to do it. And that was one of my greatest races, just overcoming all that and knowing that I, I, I literally think I did it on guts. I don't, I wasn't in shape or anything. I just, I was going to get there if it, if it killed me. So <laughs> I have had quite a few injuries. But. Well, it sounds like going through this gait evaluation and changing a lot of things with your running form and, and your cross training, your strength training routine has really paid off. I mean, you know, with the PR in London. So mm-hmm. looking back, I'm sure it's all been worth it. Even all the mm-hmm. struggle that you've had to go through to make that happen. And, you know, I'm sure hope for the future of getting faster and, and reaching other goals. Um, so talk a, about, a little bit about future running goals and if you have any bucket list races that you'd like to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer in everything happening for a reason. And even though, you know, your injuries happen, they lead to even greater accomplishments because of what you go through. Um, And I think that was why I appreciated London so much more, because I had been through so many struggles. And I think if everything had gone smooth, it wouldn't have gone quite that well. And that's why my first marathon went so badly, because I had a flawless training cycle up until a few days before the race. But yeah, as for training for the future, uh, I definitely have two of the big four for me. Uh, I've done London, I've done Chicago, I have New York and Boston left. Um, Boston Mm. may be the next one I do, we will see, but it it really depends how this year goes. Uh, Like I said, I'm not allowed to do one for a year. Wow. So Says who? Yeah, no, my coach here, uh, who is also my fiance, by the way. So oh, okay. that's a bit of a uh, tricky situation there. I have to, uh, <laughs> I have to really. Uh, <laughs> so he can really keep close tabs on you. <laughs> I know he does. He wow. does. And at first, I could kind of bully him into what I wanted to do, but he's learned over the years to stand up to me. So. <laughs> uh, he definitely has me uh, under control now. But <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to do some uh, shorter stuff, 5k, 10k this uh, summer, I guess. And then um, do a half in the fall, hopefully uh, Philadelphia rock and roll. And then um, my number one goal has always been, since I started running, to represent Great Britain in an international event. 
I guess now it could be America if I uh, do apply for citizenship, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and then ultimately, I'd love to break 2.30 in the marathon, but that's quite a way away for now. So just mm. kind of taking it as it goes and hopefully run in the 1.13 range for my half marathon in the fall. So. Awesome. So does your coach slash fiance, <laughs> does he develop your training regimen when you're in a training cycle? Mm-hmm. Yep. He comes up with all my um, training. He's he's great. He he is the um, head coach at Moorhead State. And uh, so he has that as well. Uh, and he coaches a few other athletes as well. But yeah, he prints me out a um, training schedule um, for each month. He actually plans it out huh. before the segment even begins. So if I was racing a marathon, let's say in August, he would have already written out my training for that entire time making tweaks as we go but he's very organized with it so I have everything down I have a piece of paper which I could show you right here but the listeners won't be able to see um with what I'm doing every day so he develops that he he doesn't take any kind of rain on the strength training that's what my strength coach Drew Watts does but uh yeah so he writes everything else for me okay let's talk about the um podcast running to the top (laughs) How, how long have you been the host of the podcast? And can you tell just listeners a little bit about how the show goes? Yeah, so um, Runners Connect, uh, well, firstly, the company is um, an online community of coaches, athletes, and then uh, training. We have, you know, strength, nutrition, form. Um, and then uh, Jeff Godet, the founder, brought me on to the company in November and uh, I've become the community manager, which is just basically social media manager. Um, and he said to me in December, you know, we, we had a podcast and uh, we kind of let it stop earlier this year we'd like to have you start it again in January so I said okay you know I didn't know anything about podcasting never (laughs) never really listened to a podcast or anything so I started researching and decided to dive in with both feet um and uh I had my first interview with Dave McGillivray uh you know pretty big name and uh I had never done anything like that um it was horrible it was echoey (laughs) it was you know, it was, it was, I mean, the interview itself went well, but the audio quality was so bad. And then <laughs> after that, I was, you know, being a perfectionist, I was embarrassed. Like, how dare I, like, put something out to the world like that, especially with someone as well-known as Dave McGillivray. Uh-huh. So I just became determined to, like, keep improving. So I did look it up and, you know, I really tried to reach out to great people and, you know, I'm glad to have met both of you through that. And uh, we had Chris McDougall on the show about um, a month ago. And he was, you know, that was a real turnaround moment for me, having someone that um, established. And I really thought out the questions. And he was so, such a, so made me feel at ease and everything. And he's actually emailed me quite a lot since. So it's been a great um, opportunity for me. So has it, has it turned out to be a lot of work? Do you, do you edit your show too? Um, no. I, um, well, I, I put it together, um, but we have someone who does a final, I mean, yeah, I guess I do edit it. And then we just have someone who does, you know, some sound changes and edits, but not really. Yeah. I do the, I do most of it and all the research and everything. So yeah, I guess it is a good amount of work as you guys definitely know, uh, more than people realize. I think I 
especially when it comes to you know intros you think that you can just kind of um go off and not just not even research but you have to kind of think about what you want to say and everything so yeah it is a lot of work but definitely 100 percent worth it and thanks for having angie on the show recently oh no that was great yes i enjoyed, I enjoyed that and it's you. been very popular <laughs> so far so people yeah, have cool. enjoyed listening to you as well and uh, yeah, i learned a lot it was really cool well thank you well, it's been fun talking to you, Tina, and thank you for giving us an, an inside look into what an elite runner's life is like, things I didn't know before, <laughs> uh, which is really cool. So where can people find you online? Um, well, I do have my blog, which is my name, tinamuir.com, um, and I can be found at Tina Muir for most things. Some things, unfortunately, some other Tina Muir stole my uh, uh -huh. name. And I'm Tina Muir 88, but for the most part, I'm Tina Muir. And it's just, if you go to my blog, that's probably the easiest way to find all the channels. So, or through runnersconnect.net. All right. Sounds good. Well, we encourage everybody to uh, go to tinamuir.com and also check out the Runners Connect podcast. And we'll have links to all of these places on our blog with the show notes to this episode. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for talking with us. Have a great day. Thank you. Well, you made it through, and hopefully that wasn't too painful listening to my story, but I know I had a lot of fun with Angie and Trevor, and hopefully it was kind of enjoyable for you too. If you don't already listen to Marathon Training Academy, you really should, and you can check them out. I will put a link on the show notes, which you can find at runnersconnect.net forward slash Tina, T-I-N-A. I will talk to you next week. Until then, have a great week.